0: And I want you to uh, give a really warm Living Stones welcome to some amazing elders of the house who are just fresh off the field from Cambodia this morning and Vietnam, Brent and Jocelyn Burnett back in the house. Come on, let's welcome them back. In. Are they here? Are they not here? <laughs> oh, no, wait a minute. Hold on, time out. Time out. All right, I set you guys up. Jet lag. Must have hit. All right. They're not here. But they were here. They were right there, I swear. I saw them this morning. They testified. No, I think they are probably back home sleeping. All right. Well, hey, that was like a well-oiled machine. I hope they felt that wherever they're at. Let me just say this, though, on their behalf. They shared this morning. What What a great time. They'll be back Once they get back to our time, they will be back sharing with us probably next week. I'll get them up second service. They had an amazing time, but here's the bigger principle. Part of what we've been doing in this series on Gifted is trying to give us the same language so that when we talk about things, how many of you know we're talking on the same song sheet? For instance, when we talk about apostolically sending people out, you know what that means. There they are smiling at us. Aren't they wonderful? Um, This is kind of a unique situation. We prayed over them. You all remember that. If you're here, we sent them out to Cambodia. They did something unusual. They were there for two months, not just a 10-day trip or something like that. They were there for two months. And really, here's what I want you to see. We're going to talk about what it means to be apostolic in an apostolic church. The word apostle means sent one, and all we're doing is when we lay hands on people from the house and we're sending them out on an assignment, uh, they're functioning apostolically, which means wherever they go, they're carrying out the mission of the Lord, they're going in the authority of the Lord, they're also going out with the blessing of this local church house, uh, and and, uh, they're on a specific assignment. So this was really a first for us, I think, that we had anybody that went out this long, Uh, but they helped out with marriage ministry they helped minister to our team that was there they helped in the church that very much laid some foundation uh, and did all the stuff that we do here they did over there Uh, and that's awesome and i just want to encourage you we're all and i'll get to this in just a moment but we all have an apostolic calling on our life to some degree because guess what we're all sent ones we're all called to go out in Jesus' name and to carry the gospel. So just like I've been sharing with you, and when we look at the fivefold gifting uh, and, and, and talking about why it is so critically important, we talked about the prophets, for instance, and I loved what Dawn uh, shared this morning. The purpose of the prophetic, they're like, the, they're like heaven's cheerleaders. They sense what's on God's heart and share it in such a way that it inspires us and causes us to go harder. How many of you know that was a good, good example of that this morning? We, uh, prophets are reminding us, don't go through the motions. This is Real. Let's go after God. Let's go after His heart. Let's make it real. Uh, And that was the word that Dawn simply shared. And she did such a great job because it was right to the point. And she encouraged us. And guess what? Didn't you feel the momentum level increase after that word. Did did y'all feel that? That's what the prophetic does. Sometimes our worship leaders, they'll pause in the moment and they'll challenge us with something and all of a sudden uh, we just sense that that the level just went up in the room, All right, That's part of that prophetic gifting. I want to encourage you to develop that. Be an encourager. That's the key thing we talked about though with the prophetic is it builds and it encourages. It doesn't tear down. It doesn't divide. So be positive and speak the word of the Lord over people. Encourage people. We talked about teachers and how important They are, right? They have a passion for truth. And we need to be grounded in the Word of God. We need to be lovers of the Word of God. We talked about shepherds. Shepherds have a passion for people. uh, And we want to be a place where we shepherd people well. Amen. We love people. We care for people. I mean, you know, you're not able to say, well, I'm not a shepherd. I don't really like people. That doesn't work, all right? As Christians, we've got to love people, we've got to encourage people. We all have to do that. And then we talked about evangelists last week how evangelists have a heart for lost people. They it it burns in their hearts that there are people in this world that don't know Jesus Christ and that need to know Christ and thank God for evangelists and today we're going to talk about apostles and they're probably the most uh, confused and uh, and most maligned and most abused out of all of them perhaps in our culture today just because there's a lot of misunderstanding about what apostolic ministry looks like but here's why we're we're doing this again we said that if all five of those functions and we didn't say it Ephesians four says that if all five of those functions are not operative in the local church, you're going to be operating. It's like a car driving down the road. Uh, If it's an eight-cylinder car, you're only operating on five cylinders or something like that. You're not going to have the full impact or the full power of that engine at work. It's the same thing in the church. We can't operate uh, in the Lord's ministry without every bit of the gifting that he's given us. We said these gifts are to build up the church. Everybody say build up. So we're not tearing down. We're building up. And to equip, which is a good military term. We talked about our NRP theme, battle stations, military theme. That's because the church is to be mobilized, the church is to be equipped. And when that happens, we move people into full maturity. And we start looking like Jesus and acting like Jesus. So here's what I want you guys to to see I want to make sure you're identifying what your primary gifts are, your support gifts. Some of you say, man, I got a little bit of this, I got a little bit of that. Well, that's good. You should have a little bit of all five. That means you're well balanced and you're well on your way to Christlikeness. Amen? So we want to be moving towards Jesus. I shared last week that, you know, like the Apostle Paul, he operated in all five of these gifts, although obviously we call him Apostle because that was his lead gifting that was manifested in the Scriptures. But all of us should be growing in all five of these gifts. So as you're pursuing Jesus, as you're, as you're receiving from one another... Uh, you're going to continue to move towards maturity, and you should be great shepherds, great teachers, great evangelists, great prophetic people, and great apostolic people. You all with me on that? That's our vision. And the more that happens, man, the more the glory of God is in this place, the power of God, the wisdom of God, and the impact of God. And so let me end uh, this series today. If you're new with us, I apologize because we're on week 14. You got a little catching up to do, Um, but we're on week 14. And I want to end, as I said, with one of the ministries that's perhaps the most maligned or confused. I want to ground it here in Scripture again, Ephesians 4:11. These are the gifts Christ gave the church: the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. There they are, all right? All five of them. And let's talk about the ministry of the apostle. Today, before I get too far into this, I want to welcome everybody who's watching online. We've got a growing family internationally. That's part of the apostolic thrust of this church. We welcome you guys. Uh, we also want to welcome all of our friends who might be tuning in today. Next week, I'm kicking off a new series called "Made for More." If you guys want to get a head start on that, I encourage you get your Bibles out, start reading through the uh, the Epistle of the Ephesians. All right, Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus. Read through there. There's six chapters. We're going to be spending six weeks uh, on that, and it's going to be a great great uh, apostolic message on mobilization and being made for more, all right? Let's take a look at the specific ministry focus and heart passion of the apostle. You know, last week we talked about shepherds. Shepherds focus on individual people, but apostles focus on the whole. They're not looking at the individual per se, although they do, but they're looking at the bigger picture they're 40,000 foot above, uh, above the ground kind of visionary people who are focusing on making sure that the whole church is healthy, fruitful, and moving forward. Let me just bring this into context. We have lots of leaders in this church that are over various ministries, but how many of you know apostolically somebody needs to be seeing the big picture? Everybody say big picture. Why do we do quarry meeting for our leadership? Well, part of the reasons we do that is so you don't get the mentality that your ministry is the only ministry that exists or that your needs are the only needs that are important. Guess what happens when you put all the leaders together? You realize there's a lot going on here. There's a lot of moving pieces, and we don't care about just one part. We care about the whole. Are you with me? Um, And so apostolic people are big vision, big picture people. Let's talk about the meaning of this word. I mentioned already the Greek word for apostle is sent one. I like the French translation of that Greek word, which is the word envoy. Maybe it helps us understand a little bit better. An envoy is somebody who's sent out and empowered to act on behalf of their king. And I want you to see how beautiful this is as it relates to us. Um, as an apostle, someone that was sent out with the king's business and with the king's mission. They... Oh. <laughs> this is deja vu. No fault to anybody back there. I've been roofing this week. That was my third vertebrae that just popped into place. Some of you went by my house. No, we we evidently have to get a new uh, microphone next week. So I hope that doesn't happen too often, but if it does, it will keep you all awake. Hallelujah. All right. (laughs) Check this out. We have a distinct mission with God's full authority to carry it out. Now, this is exciting. Sometimes I feel like when we go out there to the big bad world, we feel like we're overmatched, overpowered. Do we have what it takes? Can I just tell you something? How many of you know we have a king who's over a kingdom? And he has commissioned each one of us. And what are we commissioned with? We're commissioned with his mission. And whose authority do we go in? The king's authority. Whose favor do we have? The king's favor. How many of you know you guys are unstoppable? We're unstoppable as a family. Okay, two of you heard that. All right, let me just say that again. We're unstoppable. Yeah. This movement we're a part of is absolutely unstoppable. We have the smile of heaven on our side. We literally have the blessing of the Father upon us. We've been filled with his spirit. We've been given the word of God. He has commissioned us. We talk about that in the Great Commission, Right? So you need to begin to operate from an understanding that the authority of the king and the blessing of the king automatically rest on your life because you are a sent one. Every one of you in this room is apostolic because you are sent people. You with me? Yeah. That doesn't mean you're functioning as an apostle. It means you're apostolic. You all with me? Just like we're not saying, oh, whoever shares a word from the Lord, they're a prophet. No, that's not what we're saying. We're saying you're prophetic. How I many you know if you're full of the Holy Spirit, you're prophetic? You have the Holy Spirit speaking inside of you, leading inside of you, so you're prophetic, all right? So check this out, Second Corinthians 5, verse 20. Here's, here's the biblical support for this. We are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Notice part of our apostolic calling is also evangelistic. We're pleading with people to return to God. It's also prophetic because we're declaring the word of the Lord. Can you see how all these gifts go together? Also, that's very pastoral, isn't it? Because you don't plead if you don't have a heart engagement and you don't care for people. But I want you to see. God, if God is going to make His appeal to the world he 's going to do it through people, namely His church, namely you and I. And so if we fail in this apostolic function, we really fail on the mission. We fail, we fail to do what God 's called us to do. How many of you are ready for a little more apostolic anointing and commissioning on your life today? Why? Because it 's critically important, and i 'll try to build the case for that this morning. Apostles are those who extend the gospel. They take it to places where the gospel has never been preached. Now, the reason I like these shirts so well is we put... Nick, come on up here. I'm going to use you as a model this morning. Give Nick Nick a hand. You're looking beautiful, buddy. You're looking beautiful. I want you to look at at our four pillars of our vision. Across the top here, we've got... Uh, we've got re- renewing hearts, which is the whole idea of salvation and getting, getting uh, mended, getting healed, getting restored, loving people, all right? Then we have restored homes down the one side. We have reaching nations. There we go. And we have reforming culture right there. Reaching nations is all about our apostolic mandate. And if you notice that this church... We are specifically focused on unreached nations. That's something Pastor Dick and Susie uh, are specialists in. it, It basically says, why are we going to spend resources on nations that have already heard the gospel? Let's go to nations that haven't heard the gospel. And so this shirt is an apostolic shirt. It reminds us of our mission. You look good, but you're not just looking good. Every time you put it on, it should remind you that we're on mission. We're apostolic. We're being sent somewhere. I right, give them a hand. Beautiful job. So I want you to have one. I want you to have one. Apostles are future-focused visionaries. They're thinking of the future. They're pioneers. They're innovators. They're risk-takers. They're leadership developers and mobilizers. You know, how many of you know we did that series called Hero Maker not too long ago? That whole series, apostolic, what was I trying to get you to see? That it's not good enough for us just to do ministry for the rest of our lives if there's no legacy or if we're not raising up new people. Why do we need to raise up new people? Because we can't extend our reach if it's just us four and no more. Does that make sense? So every church has to have an apostolic thrust in it or else you're not reaching you're not extending you're not growing you're not using muscles that you have not used all right there has to be that outward focus in every local church and that's what the apostolic spirit brings now how many of you have heard of, of George Whitfield and John Wesley the two great yeah. church leaders all right George Whitfield how many of you know what what would you say would be George Whitfield's lead fivefold gift evangelist phenomenal evangelist Great communicator of the gospel, preached, I don't know how many thousands of sermons, crisscrossed between multiple continents, led multiple, uh, perhaps millions of people to the Lord, all right? How many of you have heard of John Wesley? Also great evangelist, but I would like to suggest to you that John Wesley's lead foot was not evangelism, it was apostle. Why? Because while Whitfield preached the gospel and saw thousands and thousands of people come to know Christ, Wesley set up structure to contain the harvest. How many of you know, where did, where, where did a small group idea uh, get really into, into full fruition, right? It came through Wesley. What did he do? He set up little bands of folks that got together, and what did they do? They worked on holiness. They worked on the word of God, living a Christian life, sharing their faith. In other words, he built structure, apostolic structure, so that people uh, could, could grow and be contained and be loved, mended, trained, and sin. So I would like to suggest this. Wesley's reach, as history points out, was farther and longer and deeper than Whitfield's, even though both of them were incredibly anointed. It's not that one's better than the other, it's that we need all five together to have the full impact that God wants us to have. How many of you have heard of McDonald's? A few of you, okay, good. How many of you know that some restaurants are local mom-and-pop shops? They cook great food. That's like a local shepherd. They're great, they're great cooks. They love their people. It's a mom and pop shop. How many of you know Ray Kroc was apostolic and probably didn't even know what apostolic means? In other words, he wanted you to be able to experience a quarter pounder with cheese anywhere the golden arches were shining. It was reproducible. It was global. And it's because there was apostolic structure in place for, to take an idea or a concept and multiply it and to extend it. Is this making sense? How many of you know there are many churches that are local mom-and-pop shops? There's nothing the matter with that. They're usually led by shepherds, good shepherds, shepherds that love their people. But you also can look on the landscape of the American church today, and you can see churches that are multi-site. You can see churches that are multi-state. You can see churches that are part of a movement that's multinational. What is that? Apostolic. You understand the difference? because apostles are wired for greater extension of the gospel and for outreach. That's just the way that they're wired. But I want to drive this home, too. One of the lead characteristics of apostolic leadership is that these folks are servant leaders who carry the heart of a mother or a father, depending on what gender you are. I mean, you know, one of the primary uh, strengths of apostolic leadership is that they are mamas and papas. And I just want to tell you, there's lots of those folks here today in this place. Now, you say, well, Pastor, what's the difference between that and shepherd? Well, what I'm getting at is this. There's a, when you have an apostolic calling, you're looking at people that you love and care for, but you're always looking to bring the full potential out of them. And the full goal is that they start moving in their gifting. Let me just share this. The, the healing anointings, the pastoral anointings, the counselor anointings, the, the, the put people, broken people back together gifts are absolutely essential, but they're only partial. Someone tell me why they're partial. I'll tell you, thank you. Because God's goal is not just to get you well, wellness and feeling good and being whole is not the end, it just helps you get to the end. We love people, we mend people, we train people, and we send people. In other words, that's all part of the process to get you taking what you've received. Oh, there it is again. And giving it away to somebody else. Y'all with me? So we, we absolutely must have loving ministries, evangelism, so forth, mending ministries, but I want you to see we've got to have the training, and we've got to have the sending. In other words, whatever it is that we're doing, we should be looking at how do we reproduce that? How do we how do we get more of it? That's, that's apostolic thinking, and it's so, so important. This is good. You know, sometimes brothers and sisters will fight, but how many of you know moms and dads Don't fight with brothers and sisters. They just try to raise the brother, the the children. They want to raise them up. They're not fighting with them like siblings do. In the church, we need moms and dads who help raise up the next generation. It's multi-generational. It's also about training and equipping the saints to be all that they've been called to be. I want to mention as well that when you look at the word apostle in the Bible, that's not something you want to put on your business card. How many of you know you read a couple passages about Paul's life and what he went through? And you realize this is a person who suffered greatly and was willing to lay down his life for the gospel. This whole series has not been about titles. And I just want to drive that home. Not that I have a problem with titles. This has been about function. And I'm talking about laying your life down and loving the church so much that you're willing to lay your life down for her. Well, Pastor Dick and I have talked about this many times, but when we went to China together, that was my first experience smuggling Bibles um, and that was a first pretty wild experience. You know, it's great to think about it. It sounds really sexy when you're right here praying over the Bibles. But when you're landing in Beijing and it's illegal, I'm thinking, what have I got myself into? And where did this guy come from? And why is he at our church? And look at the mess he's going to get me into. But one of the highlights of that trip, uh, trip was when uh, Pastor Dick orchestrated a meeting with some of the underground church leaders in communist China. I knew it was real when we got into this restaurant and the leader himself went to the door and wedged a chair under the door so that nobody could come into the meeting because the door would, would have been uh, blocked by the uh, by the chairs. But we're sitting down and next to me is a 90-year-old man and his precious wife. He had spent close to two decades in, in uh, communist uh, prison camps, all because he loved Jesus and he wouldn't compromise the word of God. And this man was an apostle in the truest sense of the word. He was overseeing probably hundreds of thousands of underground church members, individual members. You know what? He didn't wear a shirt that said super apostle. He wasn't glowing in the dark. He was a very humble man, a man that had gone through incredible suffering and somebody who loved the church. His authority came not from a title. His authority came from his willingness to serve. And you know, the Bible says this, that apostolic anointing has the greatest authority and the least privilege In other words, leadership, biblical leadership, is not about privilege. It's about serving. And the greater service you have, the less privilege you have, which means this, you're not able to do what everybody else does. You're not able, you don't have the freedom to live your life the way everybody else lives. How many of you know the Apostle Paul many times wrote about The burden that he carried from within the church, from without the church, from running from his life, from persecutions, from attacks, from being stoned, from being shipwrecked. In other words, you know, sometimes in our culture today, we see, especially in the political realm, people come into office and they're like most of us. They don't have great wealth. How is it that you can serve our country for a decade as a a political leader and you come out of office and you're a millionaire? How did that happen? I'll tell you how it happened. Because you use your position to garner influence and opportunity and privileges for yourself when you're supposed to be using your your platform to serve people. You know, it, it's not how the kingdom of God operates, but it's how man's kingdoms operate. But God says this, the greater authority you have, the less privilege you have the shorter leash that you're on, because uh, sometimes we ask the question, well, why aren't we moving in more of this or more of that and seeing more of the glory of God? Um, perhaps God's asking us to go lower. Perhaps God's asking us to give more. Perhaps God's asking us to serve greater. Um, because, again, that's, that, that's how Paul carries that anointing that he walks in. And I'm just praying, again, I, I am wired apostolically, but I'm praying for more and more apostolic grace on my life uh, that I could really move into the fullness of what this means. But apostles, as I mentioned, are first and foremost fathers and they want to see their sons raised up. You know what? When you're around men and women of God, they're not the ones always having to do it themselves. Let me teach. Let me do this. Let me go. Let me share. Let me have the mic. In fact, just the opposite. They're looking to raise other people up. They find their joy in watching somebody else come forward. Somebody else get it. Somebody else do well. Somebody else be able to share. Somebody else be able to pray. Somebody else go on the mission field. That's the joy of an apostolic mother or father, is seeing what the next generation of sons and daughters is able to do because of your influence. Paul said, even if you had 10,000 other people to teach you about Christ, you only have one spiritual father. And that's what we should be after, to be able to have the kind of influence because of our loving service that people look to you as a mother or as a spiritual father. Let me remind us this morning, and I just, I just want to give you a little cheerleading burst here. Um, God has called us to be a part of a globe-encircling mission movement. Everybody say movement with me. The church, by definition, is going somewhere. And when we're not going somewhere, we're in the process of dying. Now, I was sharing with you, just trying to compare, you know, giftings, all right? Um, and, I, and the Lord brought something to my mind this morning. Marion and I never went skiing, really, until... Um, I I, like I was in college, you know. We never, I never got on the slopes. How many of you are snow skiers? Anybody out there like skiing? All right. I, by nature, am a risk taker, pioneer. I love change. Marion, by nature, is not. Let me just say that she's not. So this was our first time for both of us skiing. I'm like, how do we get up there? She's like, I ain't moving until somebody gives me lessons. I'm like, hon, it can't be that hard. Look at those people going down the hill. Let's just try it. She's like, ain't doing it. Uh, So we go up the bunny hill, and she camps out there, and she's waiting and waiting and waiting for someone to teach her. I just keep going. I don't know a black diamond from an orange diamond. I'm just looking for somewhere to go down, all right? Now, they told me you're supposed to go like this, and then go back like that, and you know, you crisscross down the hill. Well, I must have crisscrossed too much because I was facing backwards down the mountain. (laughs) And how many of you know you're not meant to go backwards? Apostolic people should not be going backwards. They're supposed to go forwards. All I remember is as I'm trying with these sticks and all this stuff to stop, I went through a split rail fence. Fortunately, I ducked before it took my head off. But I went through a split rail fence, and then I just went down, finally straight down, and I thought I would just do that snowplow thing. It wasn't working real well. And so finally, I just fell, and I, I just was one of those. It was like the, the, the thrill of victory, the agony of defeat. That was me. The next day, I could hardly move. That's kind of a picture of apostolic thinking, all right? <laughs> My wife was being very pastoral. Like, these things could hurt you. You're evidence, all right? Um, and here's what happens, though. Shepherds, as we shared, if a, if, a, if a pastor is leading a local church with a pastor's heart, remember I told you, we all, that's why we need to have, if they're not in-house, we need to bring people in that have all five of those giftings so that we're balanced. If a shepherd is leading, the shepherd is gonna care for peace. They're gonna care that everybody's happy and healthy and growing. They love each other. Everybody loves each other. Shepherds lead you beside still waters, right? Right? Psalm 23, let's all just lay here and eat and have a little drink. Lay in the shade. Let the shepherd pick ticks off of, I don't know, whatever. Um, But here's the problem. Shepherds look for equilibrium. Everything is at rest. But how many of you know if everything stays at rest for too long, that's called death. And so shepherds are great. Thank God for them. But if there's not apostolic leadership in the local church, you will die. You will die from spiritual constipation. (laughs) You know what happens when you eat and you eat and you eat and you eat and there's no outlet? (laughs) You become a tick for Jesus, all right? A spiritual tick for Jesus. And if there is no apostolic thrust, now here's what apostolic thrust means. It means we're going to experience disequilibrium. We're going to experience change, risk, movement. We're going to upset the status quo. There might be conflict. We're going to have to believe God. How many of you know those are all the things that exercise your spiritual muscles? And I just want to remind you that God's goal for the church is not death. God's goal for the church is that we keep getting pushed out into new horizons. That we keep having to believe God for new things. How many of you know this is scary? Some of you are like, oh, pastor, Uh, don't call me pastor, I'm really not. All right, here we go. Look at Ephesians 6.20. Paul says, I am in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Notice that preaching this message as God's ambassador, which is what we're all called to do, got Paul in chains. And Paul's prayer was, Lord, help me keep speaking boldly. Can I just tell you something? If your vision of the gospel is only laying down beside still waters, you've got the wrong vision of the gospel. If you think the gospel is safe, you've got the wrong vision of the gospel. Apostolic thrust reminds us that we have to take risks. We have to do things. You know, when Pastor Dick talked about smuggling Bibles into China, first of all, should Christians in China have a Bible? Does Jesus love Christians in China? Yes. Yes. Uh, should they hear the good news? Yes. Well, what if we have to violate a Chinese communistic government bad law? Whose law trumps, the Chinese law or the law, the law of God? Good answer, the law of God, which means sometimes you do risky things so that other people can experience Jesus the same way that you can how I many you know that'll get your adrenaline going when the, when the wheels pop out of that plane and you're starting to land? That'll get your adrenaline going. But you know what else happened? We had the prayer warriors going on here. And some of you all remember that when we hit customs, they were in a shift change and nobody was operating any of the machines while we walked through customs. You talk about a faith builder. We just smuggled in hundreds of Bibles, and nobody even saw them. And you might call that a coincidence. I call that the body of Christ working together in five-fold ministry and seeing everything done. I remember one time one of my favorite Bible teachers talking about planting a church in the inner city of Minneapolis, a dangerous place, and, and they're sitting around a meeting trying to put the planning stuff together, and somebody asked the question, well, Should we be doing that? Isn't that dangerous? And you're just looking around going, since when did the gospel become not dangerous? You know, my dad, a good old football coach, told me, son, if you're going to be in the ministry, you need to put your helmet on and button both straps because ministry is a full-contact sport. This is not for the faint-hearted. Now, we need people that love people and minister to their hearts, And get them equipped so we can throw them back into the battlefield and be dangerous once again. Amen? So we need this. All right, let me wrap this up this morning. Um, Three quick things that apostolic gifting does to a local church. Number one, they build structure and they produce reproducible ministries. Let me mention as a highlight one of the things our, our, our missions area has been working on really, really hard is what we call the roar in a box. What is the roar in a box? That is all of our curriculum with all Pastor Dick's funny stories that nobody's going to understand in Mongolia taken out (laughs) so that all we have is the skeletal remains of a great school that takes you from Genesis to Revelation and all the other stuff in a box so that when somebody calls up and says, hey, we'd love to start a roar school in Pakistan or in Vietnam or wherever it is, guess what? All we do is we send them that module. That module is translated. We know what we want there. We know what leadership we need there, what facilities we need there, uh, how much resources we need to do that. Guess what? It's apostolic. It's reproducible. I've been talking to some of our ministry leaders and teaching various topics, whether it's a class on inner healing or others. How many of you know we want to be able to take great content? How about this? An encounter weekend. Guess what we've done with Encounter Weekends? We've exported Encounter Weekends to the nations of the world. Guess what we've done with our marriage seminars here? We've taken them to the nations of the world. That's called apostolic thinking. It's all about reproducing. So you take the wine, but you've got to have wineskins to take that wine and, and make it portable. Does that make sense? What good is it if we just have all the wine right here to enjoy to ourselves? That's, that, that misses the whole point. We've got to create the wine of the gospel, the Holy Spirit, in wineskins that can expand and grow and be taken to the nations of the world. So I'm challenging all of our leaders. Come on, let's, let's do what we do. Do it with excellence. Mm, there we go again. Uh, oh, stop it. Are you guys doing that? All right, we're, we're going to receive a special offering before we leave to fix that. Mm, there you go again. That probably means shut up, pastor. You're preaching too much. All right. All right, so we build structure and we reproduce. Second thing, we maintain culture and spiritual DNA. This is huge. Somebody has to say, this is the way we do it around here. How many of you have heard me preaching about loving one another, being humble, deferring one another, walking in unity? Those are all apostolic functions. We're reminding us how to play well so that we can go impact the world together. Somebody has to be the keeper of the spiritual DNA of the house, and that's the apostolic function, meaning that we're all on the same team going the same direction. That's what apostolic leadership does, which is why in the Bible there is an emphasis on apostolic teaching and doctrine. How many of you know doctrine is important? We want to be on the same page, and we want to make sure we're grounded in the Word of God. Last thing, the big-picture vision. Sometimes, and I just, let me just say this is one of the weaknesses of, of apostles, all right? Sometimes they're focusing on the big picture vision to the extent that they they focus on the forest and they lose the trees. And I just have to apologize. First of all, we have to have grace for one another. Amen? Paul and Christy, grace for me? All right. Because here's the deal. We're all maturing in Christ. So in any of these fivefold gifts, if you are not mature in the expression of those, you can hurt people. In fact, our churches are full of that. So let me tell you the problem with apostolic thinking. We're always focusing on building, I don't mean physical buildings, but building people, building ministries, and if you're not careful, you start to look at people as cogs in the wheel. In fact, this is true confession by me, all right? I remember days when somebody from the church was leaving and they were upset, and I remember sitting at a meeting and I said, you know what, we can't build anything with them anyway. Well, what did I mean by that? I meant. They were constantly causing problems, you know, from my perspective. Uh, they weren't contributing. They weren't involved. They weren't fitting into the vision. And so let them go. Do you know that every shepherd around that table was going, Ugh! Right. Well, why? Because they see the world differently. Now, as you mature, you don't have that attitude. And I realized, you know what? That wasn't, that wasn't a Christ-like attitude, was it? All right. But, but hey, will you forgive me? All right, because I'm not that way anymore. Guess what? I'm maturing. I'm still building, but I'm maturing, and I love you all. But you all understand how that works. In other words, you're looking. Let me give you an example, just so I'm not the evil cop. I'll make the apostle Paul be the bad guy. (laughs) How many of you know in the Bible, two apostles had a falling out? Paul and Barnabas. Do you all remember the occasion of the falling out? It was this guy named Mark. Paul invited Mark on a missionary journey and apost- were apostolically sent out. Do you remember that? To accomplish a mission. And what happened to Mark? Well, we don't know the details, but he got cold feet and he quit and he went home. How many of you know apostolically that's a no-no? Because you're like, dude, we're all, yeah, you dropped the ball. We are leaning on you. We're, there's people waiting to hear the gospel. We're, we have serious work to do. What do you mean you're going home? And Paul said, forget it. Next time they got together, Barnabas is coming along. Let's bring Mark. Guess what gift you think Barnabas has? He's a shepherd, totally, total. Mr. Encouragement, hey, how are you? Good job, love you, Bill everybody. He's a shepherd. Some of you are that way. So, So Barnabas says, let's bring Mark along. Paul's like, are you nuts? That guy is a burden. That guy is a liability, do you, don't you remember last time we tried to take him along? And look at, the, look at what a help he was. Barnabas is going, no, 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 no. Let's give him another shot. Paul's like, not this time. So Barnabas takes him. And do you remember late in life, I just got done, I'm reading my devotions. I just got in Second Timothy, finishing 2 Timothy, the last epistle Paul wrote. And who's he asking for at the very end of that chat? Hey, bring Mark along. He could be of assistance to me. Now, can you see the balance, though? You've got to have great shepherds loving people. You've got to have apostolic vision. And sometimes you make a grave mistake taking a novice with you on, on an assignment that's above his or her head. Yep. So you can't be foolish. But also you can't be so cut and dry that you don't believe in people and realize that when you're young in the Lord, sometimes you do things that you wish you wouldn't have done. So many of you know we still keep forgiving and we keep loving. But guess what? We're, but we're not going to stay here and camp out forever. We're going to keep moving. And I'll just tell you this. Do you know why a lot of people, this pastoral confession, I'm just getting it off my heart. Is it okay if I do this? Yes, sir. All right. It's my last comment. You know why a lot of people leave a church? Is it because of me. Because, not because of you, sometimes because of you. <laughs> um, <laughs> because somebody was trying to Move them forward. And they don't want to move. I like it right here. In fact, I like living stones 80 years ago in the good old days. Well, we ain't 80 years ago. We're in 2019. And we're moving ahead. And God wants to challenge you and provoke you and grow you and push you out of your comfort zone. And many people don't like that. In fact, most people don't like that. In fact, turn to your neighbor and say, I think he's talking to you. Just tell him that. So I need to put some humor in Hey, make my, make my back crack again. Do something. I got to get these people. How many of you know that's the truth? So here's the deal. I'm going to break the news to you. You all ready? We are moving forward. We've just begun to fight. We've just begun to see what God wants to do. We're just in the baby steps. Are you with me? We're not camping out. We're not going to play it safe. I've been setting you guys up this entire year, the entire sermon series, this whole year. It's been totally apostolic. I'm sorry to break the news to you right now. First series, discipleship. They say, hey, we can't just hang out at church. We're all called to love people, reach people, touch people, share the gospel. Let's do it. That's a stretch, right? Not just showing up at church, but being the church. Man, that's a stretch. And then what have I been doing for 14 weeks? I've been trying to help us understand what, are, what is your gift and how are you called to express that gift? What's the nature of a gift? You have to use it, which is scary. And then where are we going next week? Mobilization. A vision for more. With the expectation that guess what we're going to do? We're going to let God keep stretching us, growing us, and making us uncomfortable. Hey, Seuss, are you okay with this? All right, just making sure. Just making sure. Everybody okay with this? If you want the comfortable church that will rock you to sleep before you die, there are lots of options. We don't want to be one of those options. (laughs) Equilibrium is nice for a while. Don't live there. You might realize you're dead, all right? We might be having a funeral for you. This church and any church that 's led by Jesus is not going backwards, it's going forwards, and uh, it will not die. it will advance. Amen. How about we stand? and can I just pray that that apostolic passion and drive and anointing falls on us, that we will in all of our lives and all of our ministries, will have a vision for more and what God wants to do, moving us from where we are to where He wants to take us. Lord, thanks for this series. I just pray that people's hearts have been encouraged and, 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 and there's been revelation, self-awareness about who we are and how you've wired us to be. And Lord, I ask you to help that apostolic grace for multiplication, not just maintenance, but multiplication to hit all of us, that we would begin thinking, how can I take what God has given to me and see that multiplied in the lives of other people? Lord, help us to do that and help us to do it well. Bless our church family now, Lord, we're leaving this building. We're going off into the mission field. We've been sent by you, commissioned by you. We're moving in the full authority of heaven. And so, Lord, we just ask you, bless your ministry through us now. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, marriage class at 4, if you're new here, we'd love to connect with you. Just come on up. We'd love to say hi. If you need prayer, come on down. If you need Jesus and you don't know him, come on down. We'd love to pray with you.